everyone. Welcome to Excellentia Podcast, Surgery Center Chat. I have Roger Manning with me here again today. Hi, everyone. Looks like this will be episode number eight for us today. Roger, we hear from our clients all the time about how difficult it is to recruit top talent. Yes, we do, don't we? They tell us that running ads just doesn't seem to do the trick anymore. And the problem is that they get plenty of resumes, but they're not qualified for the job. Yes, that is very true. And I must say that this happens a lot in our own business when we tried to run ads in the past. So we've relied less and less on advertising. It's just too easy to place an ad on the job board and then just sit back, wait and see what happens. The problem is that you can only hire the best person that applies to that job. And in many cases, you might be settling for someone and not getting the best candidate for your position. So what are the folks to do? I, I know you've created a webinar on this issue, which is available as a view upon demand presentation on this subject. But today, share with us some of the pearls from that session. Yes, I have. Uh, that presentation is called The Do's and Don'ts of Recruiting, Interviewing, and Hiring. Uh, but I would like to spend just a few moments today in terms of this podcast on the do's and don'ts of recruiting. And then you know, if the folks out in the audience is interested in more content, then they can check out the View Upon Demand, uh, which goes into more detail on the interviewing and the hiring process. Sounds good. So why don't you tell us more about that recruiting? Okay. Well, recruiting people uh, has been something that uh, I've been doing, golly, since uh, my first real career position as a district manager for a pharmaceutical company well, he back in 1978 uh, through 1988, and every position that I've held since then, I've been involved in recruiting my staff. As you already know, uh, but maybe the audience doesn't know, I started my second half of my career in 1998 by moving to St. Louis, and I joined a recruiting company at that time, and then exactly three years later, after having much success at recruiting, I created an executive search firm to utilize all of those years of HR and recruiting experience that I had and to be in business for myself, and that company still does exist today. Uh, so to get started, before one can begin recruiting, you have to know exactly what you're looking for. It is kind of like going on a trip. If you don't have a map, you might not reach the destination that you intended to go to. You must determine the need that must be met now, as well as for the future in that position, as well as you might need to develop a longer strategic recruiting plan for the future, depending upon what kind of growth plans your organization is looking at. To recruit, you need to know what expertise, experience, and skills that are needed in that position, as well as the positions, all the positions, really, at your surgery center. Question is, where will you find that kind of expertise and skills? Let me start off by saying that you must be strategic in recruiting and not transactional. What do you mean by strategic in recruiting and not transactional? Well, what I mean by that is most people place a job advertisement out there and hope that it pays off. That is transactional. You purchase an ad and you wait. Strategic in recruiting means that you aren't passive. You're not sitting back. You become a hunter. Recruiting is hunting. So in 1998, when I changed career paths and moving to St. Louis, I took a job with Management Recruiters International and helped a guy who just bought a brand new MRI franchise, and he had no business. He, he talked me into developing a healthcare desk. What I became was a full cycle recruiter, and what that means is that I had to find the job opportunities, which were with employers 
that had job openings, and then I had to go out and recruit, find and recruit the candidates for those job openings. I had to become a hunter. If I ran ads, I got plenty of resumes, no doubt about it, but they were unqualified candidates. I got all of those people that wanted to be what my position was all about. I got the job hoppers, people that were unhappy, people that were running from jobs or situations they had to get out of, and it just wasted lots of my time. I learned very quickly in 1998 to 1999, it didn't take me very long, that placing ads took a back seat to me actually recruiting, recruiting on the phone, networking, talking with people that uh, know other people. So my advice is to recruit or to hunt for the talent and don't just run ads and hope for the best. Well, that sounds great, but most people listening today aren't going to know how to do that. So do you have some suggestions on how to be a hunter rather than just run ads? (laughs) Of course. Uh, First, let me say, though, since we're talking about ads, if you're going to run an ad uh, or before you even begin your interviewing process, there's some things that you really have to do. Number one, Uh, you must determine what is the problem that needs to be solved in this position or the job opening. So your company has a need or it has a problem, and it is either in a financial in nature, operational, regulatory, staffing or human capital issues, new business development, maybe it's technology related, or maybe it's marketing and uh, sales. Number two, you have to consider what are the challenges that need to be overcome in this position, or how will this position overcome those challenges? Now, what I mean by that, are they internal issues or external issues? As an example, an internal issue may be the need for someone or a manager, let's say, that can control relationships between physician partners that don't get along, or perhaps there's just a lot of petty nonsense among your current staff, and you need a person that knows how to deal with that. External issues may be things like regulatory compliance, and maybe your center has had past run-ins with the Department of Health, and you'll need somebody that's well-experienced to know how to to handle that situation. And then lastly, what is the direction that you need the company to go by hiring this individual? Maybe you're going in the right direction and you just need somebody to maintain things, or maybe it's not going in the right direction and you need someone that is more like a change agent. So answers to these questions help you draft up your list of needs and skill sets, experience, successes and accomplishments, the education, and even the culture fit that that candidate has to deliver. Again, doesn't that really sound like a custom fit hire as compared to running an ad and hoping to find that person in the ad? I see. But I'm still wondering, though, how someone determines what they need exactly and then how to hunt for that. Sure, sure. No, I understand. Well, this leads us into the issue of determining what skills, what education and special training is needed in your ideal candidate. How will you find those skills? And once they are sitting in front of you, how you would, how will you determine if they truly have those skills? A skills inventory list should be developed for each and every position at your surgery center. It would be my suggestion to develop a small uh, committee of folks uh, at your surgery center to work together in developing that skills inventory list. Most people running ads request education, years of experience in the field, and maybe particular professional licensure or certifications, as they really should since these are really important qualifications. But many times the skill sets are not determined, so they end up just taking whatever shows up. 
if anyone is interested in, I guess, some skills inventory list, because I really don't have any visual effect here in the podcast, but please email me at roger at excellentiagroup.com, and I'd be happy to, to send you something. So whether you're writing a job advertisement or you're hiring a recruiter to tell the story, you have to have a strong story. So again, getting back to advertisements, running an advertisement is not your story. The opening paragraph of the ad has to be something exciting, something that is to turn on the individual that's reading it, something that is an obvious benefit to most people that read it, and a conclusion that coming to work at your organization would be a good career move for them. And you notice what I just said, a career move, not just a job, a new job. And if someone is looking at a new job just to get a new job, then, well, you have the wrong candidate. Tip-offs that they're the wrong candidate is that they're usually placing emphasis in their questions on money, benefits, maybe a close proximity to their home, or just other types of questions that are non-career motivator type of questions. And I asked you this question, why would someone leave a perfectly good job right now to come to your organization? They would if you recruited them with a strong, compelling story and you met all their needs, of course. Now, they will not come there if they are busy working and they're not spending a lot of time reading job advertisements. The individual has to be recruited. They will not come to your organization if they're perfectly happy on their job and their employer is taking care of them. This individual has to be recruited. And they will not come to your organization if they're busy being successful. People busy being successful like to stay busy being successful, and they will only come to your organization if someone recruits them to your organization. These are some of my favorite lines, by the way, as a recruiter that I like to tell employers. Why? Because I know it is absolutely true what I'm saying there, and those candidates cannot be hired by you unless I recruit them or unless you recruit them, by the way, the techniques that I'm telling you. So recruiting opens up your playing field much larger than any job advertisement has a chance to simply because you're reaching people that aren't looking at those job advertisements. So the next part of this is you have to craft your story. Determine what is the vision of your company's leadership. Why should this leadership benefit the candidate? Is it going to be mentorship? Is it going to be training? Is there going to be leadership training for advancement? And investing into this candidate in any way, such as education, technology, are you going to give them exceptional experiences, these experiences that they couldn't gain at their current company? So the question is, what watering hole does all of your good candidates frequent? Have you ever had an experienced talent drought? Maybe you have a favorite water hole that you've used and that water hole is dried up. Maybe you had really good success in the past and you should surely go back to that water hole again, but you probably should expand out using other methods, particularly if your method has been running advertisements solely. Sounds like I'm down on advertisements, doesn't it? Well, I am. So what I'm recommending is word-of-mouth discussions with your current staff. Start with your staff. Offer bounty bonuses to your employees. Money well spent. Word-of-mouth with industry peers that you have in, in town and Maybe you know people in the same industry all across the United States. Don't assume people will not relocate. You never know unless you ask the question. That's my viewpoint as a recruiter. Maybe a friend clear across the country wants to be closer to you, or maybe they have family that lives in your city or your state. 
Or maybe they know someone. Maybe they won't relocate, but they know someone that has expressed their desire uh, to be in your industry and uh, will make that relocation. This is exactly how a recruiter thinks, and this is how a recruiter spreads out his or her network around the country. I would also say try advertising on state associations, but first try talking to the board members. Uh, I have found them sometimes that they will network that job for you free. Some state associations, however, have their mind on selling advertisement, but you have to give it a try. I would stay in touch with your nursing school alumni offices, post your jobs there. They're generally uh, very inexpensive. Visit them, too, if you have a nursing school in close proximity to where, where you live. I would say, in terms of being more aggressive, just pick up the phone and try calling competitors. And it doesn't have to start off as a recruit call. You could start off by just taking them to coffee just to have industry chat and just a network. But during that conversation, make it, make it very clear the innovative things that you're doing at your center. Paint a positive picture that maybe they would be open to having a conversation. If all of this seems too forward or too time-consuming for you to do so, then that is what a professional recruiter does for a living. And yes, it is very time-consuming, and it, it is really hard work. But the yield is generally better, and you get a more qualified candidate. You're going to get a candidate that you couldn't have got through advertising. I would also caution be careful of social media. LinkedIn is really the kind of the exception. It's uh, become the number one media network to professionally network for recruiters as well as just uh, the lay professional person. You get to interact, and uh, at the same time, we know many of those people are open to being recruited. The drawback of LinkedIn is if you've got to have a large network to, to be effective. So if you aren't networking right now on LinkedIn, it may not pay off for you. Job boards are not my favorite, and I don't have many good things to say about them. I rarely use them because they waste my time, quite frankly. A good way to start off in a bad mood is to come in in the morning and spend a half an hour opening unqualified uh, emails and, and resumes. So when you consider how many unqualified resumes that you know, uh, I receive or you receive, you got to think anybody can click a mouse. My time is too valuable for that, and, and it's wasted just screening out these unqualified people. And it makes me kind of irritable and angry, and that's not the way I want to start my day off. Even though the advertisement would appear to be the cheaper route to go, it does cost me more for, for those reasons. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Did you know that you don't have to go the regulatory compliance or business management road alone? Excellent Advisor Group is there for you when you have questions or you need a partner in helping you manage your surgery center. Excellentia's management services are flexible and designed specifically to meet the need of our client without asking for equity in your company. Let Excellentia design a plan to help you. Call us at 636-875-5088 and ask for either Kathy or Roger. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, you called this in the beginning the do's and don'ts of recruiting. Can you tell us more about the don'ts? Yes, sure. Um, I'm going to start off by saying don't write a vague job advertisement. I'm amazed at the number of job ads that I see that don't tell the company's story. They don't tell about the career opportunity. They barely even tell you about the job duties uh, and what the job's all about. Yet, they expect someone to be interested in the job. I can tell you who is interested in that job, though. It's going to be someone that's desperate, somebody that's running from something, they're jumping from maybe one frying pan into another frying pan. They're a job hopper and someone that is looking for a job and not a career. That's not what you're wanting. 
So write a job advertisement that tells your story and it sells the sizzle of the job opportunity as well as the employer. The number one reason people stay or leave their employer is the person that they work for directly. So sell the employment opportunity, train your managers well to lead people so that they want to stay and protect your investment. Second, I would say don't write a job advertisement or a job description without determining the skills and the education needed specific to the position. Have management create a skills inventory for each position, plus the education and the experience define, and be specific in the advertisement, be specific in your job description, as well as the interview process using interview techniques targeted at identifying those skill sets that are needed. I've mentioned a lot about skill sets here, and you have to have an interview process using behavioral interview questions that will target and identify those skill sets that I'm talking about. So if you're not using behavioral interview techniques, I would research that. I talk about it in depth on my um, presentation, my View Upon Demand presentation that we've referenced, and uh, also by uh, purchasing that or going to the e-membership library and looking up that presentation you'll have links to a large collection of behavioral interview questions that you can ask or, or to tailor them to your, your company in specific need. Also, I would say don't rely only upon job advertisement in any one media. That, that is just not recruiting. It's, it's advertising. You can only hire the best person that applies that advertisement, as I've said before. I would plan on spending some time in recruiting, word of mouth, networking, hiring a recruiter, doing some phone calls, attending some job fairs. Recruit until you hire the best candidate and don't settle for that best person that answered that ad. I would also say don't rely upon the same media each time for your search. It's easy to get into a habit of placing an ad on monster.com or indeed.com because you have an account with them and then do nothing more and you get the same frustrating results each time. Rely upon a multi-pronged approach. Change up your advertising sources, your media, and compare the results. I would track the metrics that you get from each of the different um, um, methodologies and compare to see which one is the best. Uh, If you're using a recruiter, bring in another recruiter if you don't get any results from the first one in two weeks for competition's sake. I would say don't ignore or discriminate against the protected classes. Having Recruiting plans that encourage your managers to seek diversity and focus on ability to do, to do the essential job functions is very important. And again, target the skill sets necessary. Don't use pre-testing or personality profiles to rule out candidates in lieu of the interview process. Now, I bring that up because I've seen many employers go through lengthy interview processes, have several of their managers involved, only to use a personality profile test as the final litmus test to determine the yes or no answer to hire them. It it seems really stupid to me. What about all the time and experience put in that interview uh, and everything that you've learned and gained from the interview, all the different managers' viewpoint? So do use the pre-testing personality profiles, however, to strengthen and focus the interview process with a better targeted question or set of questions on the next in-depth interview. These tools are not definitive decision makers. Even the manufacturers, um, the psychologists that have developed those will say these are tools to be used 
to help you prepare for the uh, better next in-depth interview to validate uh, what the test is saying. I would say don't allow managers or your physicians to make promises to friends or acquaintances that don't meet the skills and experience needed. I know many of you listening here probably can raise your hand and say, yep, we, we've had that happen before. Our doctors know somebody, they worked with the hospital and they got talking about a position, the person expressed interest, next thing we know they hired them. They don't have any background, any idea what it's like to work in a surgery center. So uh, I, I would encourage not to let that happen. I would say you should develop an interview protocol to follow for each candidate interview consistently and to be used by each of your managers and each of your physicians that you have involved in the interview process. They need to use it consistently. This is, however, getting into the do's and don'ts of interviewing, which uh, we're not going to talk about today on this podcast, and we could do that another time, or you can go to that View Upon Demand presentation and, and learn more about what I have to say there. Well, I hope this has been very helpful today in getting you to think about your recruiting efforts, and I'm uh, willing to have a private chat with anyone listening that is interested in a kind of a deeper dive into recruiting. I am, of course, also available to accept any recruiting challenges that you may have out there for management positions, because I only do management, and I do it anywhere in the United States. Well, thank you, Roger, for your insights into recruiting, and I think that wraps up the time that we had slated for today. Just want to remind all the listeners, this month, March, is the application period for those of you wanting to sit for your CASC exam. The application has to be in by the end of this month, and then the test is going to be held in May, which is why Excellentia scheduled an intensive live training class that we're holding in April. All of the details are on our website if you have any interest in that. Well, thanks again for attending, and we'll be chatting again next week. Bye, everyone. Be sure to find us on Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, and Spotify, and subscribe so you can get updates whenever we release new episodes. Did you love this episode of Excellentia Podcast? Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher to help us get the word out. Thanks for tuning in.